On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome back to the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I am your host. Today we conclude our discussion exploring our community, identifying health disparities between CEO of Hospice of the Piedmont, Trent Cockrum, and Giselle Monsi, director of the YWCA Latino Family Center. When we last left them, Giselle and Trent were addressing the shared experience of the Latino community regarding health disparities and the work needed to build trust and counter barriers to accessing and seeking healthcare. Let's rejoin the conversation. I'm, I'm so glad that you touched on the immigration point because I have, I'm working with families right now that when I ask, I'm like, how come you've never, you know, asked for this or have you, you know, have you thought about X, Y, and Z, whatever the case was. And the number one thing is, well, I'm afraid, afraid that it's going to affect my legal status or that immigration is going to be brought up or that they're going to flag me. And then somehow, some way, someone's going to say something. And, and, and I'm like, Healthcare has nothing to do with immigration, homeland no. security, nothing. They're like completely opposite, right? But even like that, they still, they're like, well, I just don't, you know, it, this is the rumor. And I'm like, it's a rumor. And it takes more than once to have that conversation. It's not until, and sometimes it takes more than one person, right? Like I, one of my constituents, it took three people to finally, for her to say, okay, I will go to this agency and you know, sign up for whatever the, the need that was needed, right? Um, it, because at the beginning, she did not, she kept shutting everybody off, even me. And I'm like, I'm telling her, I'm like, listen, I know the legal process or I know this, I know how this works. It, there was this such huge mistrust and fear, right? And I think, you know, and, and often you hear in the news and which it's the news right now, it, you're bombarded with so much information, but when you hear Latino community or, or you hear, you know, oh, the Latino population or the Hispanic or whatever, you hear like they're taking over our jobs, they're taking over our benefits or they're taking this. I want to tell you right now, they're not. They don't have benefits. There are none. Okay. We're not taking over your jobs. We're not taking over benefits. They don't, if you are undocumented, you have no benefits. Okay. And so that is something that I, I it's, it's really sad when people say, when I hear people say like, oh, because this population is taking this. And I'm like, actually, no. All these people that are working construction in the fields or whatever, the, the, the hard manual labor, they, are, they don't have benefits. Right. You get hurt, you're on your own. Right. You get fired, right? right. I appreciate your sort of offering some of that clarification and dispelling some of those thoughts that, that we may have that are informed by a lot of different um, pieces of, uh, or places that we, pieces of information or places that we may receive information. But we know something, we know a few things that are really true. For example, we know that Latinos are 50% more likely to develop diabetes, for example, or more, actually more pointedly, 50% of Latinos will develop diabetes in their lifetime, which we know is a precursor to heart disease. Yes. Um, and which, you know, to, to add on a little bit further down the road, which we know, because research tells us this, that patients with advanced heart disease suffer similarly 
to patients with advanced metastatic cancer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're talking about a span of ages, I realize, but, but we're talking about a health issue that, you know, absent of getting beyond their own cultural bias for themselves or their own sort of thoughts and misinformation among the community that I can't access these services, um, you know, that follows them throughout their entire life. And now we're focused on a much later trajectory in life, right? We're a hospice care organization. We're taking care of patients who have advanced chronic disease, oftentimes in the latter stages of their, of their disease process. But, but if, we're, if we're unable to reach the community further upstream, then how do we ever have the opportunity to begin to help alleviate their suffering once they get really sick and very debilitated? Because we know, regardless of your ethnicity, being a caregiver is incredibly burdensome. Oh yeah. It's really hard. Um, and so how, you know, it, it becomes really important. It is a community conversation. It's a community, it's a conversation I think that has to happen between organizations like ours and individuals like us. Um, and so I just, you know, I don't know if you have any additional commentary on that or not. I mean, it's a yes, big problem, right? It is. I mean, because if you think about it, you know, the, and, and here's where like, I'm working with the youth and I'm trying to guide that same mentality, right? Because they're seeing their parents like, oh, my parents don't go to the doctor, so I'm not going to the doctor, right? And they grow up with us. So I'm trying to be like, no, if something hurts, make sure you start taking care of it early, regardless of what your parents think, right? But then you fast forward, right? We go to now like where we're older um, and we're talking kind of like in, you know, if you have chronic or, you know, you're kind of like at the end of your seasonal life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For a lack of better words. but you know the Latino community, we take care of our own. Like th- this is across the board. Like if you, you know, your 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 parents are aging and they're very old and they're, you know, perhaps they're they're sick or they have chronic illnesses. Everybody says, "I'm going to take care of my parents. They're going to live with me. They're going to be with me, right?" Because and it, this is one of those cultural kind of things where we say, like, in, in this you hear it, like, oh, like in America white people send their parents or dying parents to hospice or to, you know, somewhere else to die by themselves. Right. And we say like, we're never going to do that. We're not, that's not part of us. Our parents stay with us until they die. Right. But what does that mean? That means that somebody always has to be at the house. That means that taking care of them, taking them to the doctor, making sure that they have their medicine, making sure that they have this, that, and the other. And not a burden, but like now you're taking care of everything. So how is your mental health, right? Are we even talking about what it means to take care of our aging parents, right? And then how do we, you know, how do we break the myth? Like, you know, I know when I met with you guys at first, you know, it's not just hospice, it's not just for like dying people, you know, lack of better words, you know, I don't want to say that, but, um, and I'm sorry that I said it, but it's like offering that support right to the you know the families that that's fine you want to take care of your parents take care of them but here's all these resources you don't have to do it by yourself it's again it's educating is making sure that they have the resources that they know that there's support out there that I don't have to do it on my own right that I can have somebody else and no one is going to judge me for it 
Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. It, the thought just occurred to me as you were talking through that. It's, it's, it's taking what could be an otherwise unmanageable situation that we know is complicated and difficult because being a caregiver is hard um, for all the reasons that you just cited. And that, that spans every ethnicity in our community, right? Um, but it is how you take the unmanageable and with the right support, how you make it manageable, how you make it functional. Um, and, and, and oftentimes for your own better health, and that, that includes a lot of things. That's your own mental well-being. That's your own social well-being. That's your own physical well-being. I mean, those are all, and even your spiritual well-being. I mean, those are all the dimensions of wellness that we touch, not just for uh, patients who are in our service, but families who are caring for individuals who are on our service. Um, and so I think that is a really important thing to begin to, for us to begin thinking about and for us to begin talking about, um, because we realize as you've, I can't, I don't think we can say this enough as the largest growing segment of the U.S. population, uh, particularly a minority population, we know we have a responsibility as a healthcare organization, as a healthcare community, as a community period mm -hmm. to begin working beyond these barriers and in an effort to engender trust among, this, among these populations that we know that suffer greatly, maybe for reasons because they believe that it is the right thing to do. Um, right. that, you know, there are populations who believe that, that suffering is sort of the, uh, you know, the, the spiritual, uh, spiritual path, right? That's right. a whole different conversation for a whole different day, but. Right. And I think too, you know, I think when we begin to have conversations like these and we start kind of seeing, getting out of our own reality, right? Because we don't know what we don't know, right? But mm. we, when we're able to share stories, um, collective experiences, and we, and, you know, and like I said, and we don't, you know, without going into the political realm or anything, we don't have to, you know, we can agree to disagree, but when it comes down to, like, if when we want our community to thrive, regardless of whatever group you come from, right, regardless of your ethnicity, your cultural group, it takes a village, right? Mm -hmm. If we want our, you know, and, and I'm just going to talk for our area, High Point, right, we want, there's this big movement of, you know, High Point thriving, right? Well, how do we do that? We can't thrive if we're all working separate, right? We can't say like, well, my group, we're going to work on our own. And then that group is going to, no, like, I think we all have to come together and have conversations with one another. Talk about what are the challenges. Talk about the, the elephant in the room. Well, how can we remediate? How do we educate? And this goes even for, you know, even Latino professional, you know, is how do we now help each other understand, like using our voice to say, hey, let's partner up. And, you know, let's have a conversation together in English and Spanish. Let's, let's make it accessible. Right. You know, what resources out there are out there? How can we bring, you know, how are your services applicable to my group or, sure. you know, or how, how can I help your organization, you know, offer those resources, sure. right? Because there's still people that think that, you know, I don't need anything. I, I'm just going to work the way I am, but then when that patient comes in, 
you know, talking about healthcare and then they don't have the language, they don't have the resources that now there's like barrier, 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 barrier. You know, that's another thing. Like when we know that there's like 10 barriers or 10 hoops that we need to jump, we just say it's not worth it. I'm just not even. So, you know, Giselle, I'm, I'm curious to know, um, and, and this is not a, this is not to launch us into a whole different discussion. So just very briefly, you know, we we're coming off, uh, coming up on almost a year of living in a global pandemic. Um, we all know because many of the people who are watching this today or listening to this later um, know and understand that COVID-19 has had a disparate effect on, uh, on communities of color, black and brown communities. Do you think that our, collect, our now collective almost year long experience related to COVID has heightened the awareness of this conversation or, or rather has heightened the awareness for the need of this conversation? And do you think that that could be the beginning of something great? You know, I, I have to think about the world sometimes as a, it, it, when there's a dark ominous cloud, I always try to find a bit of a silver lining in every one. So is this potentially that has this, this really, you know, difficult year that we've all lived through now, is a, is a good part of that a heightened awareness of the necessity for these kinds of conversations and kinds of collaborations that we're embarking on now? Oh yeah, big time. I think if nothing else is shedding a light on the necessity to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, there, I read, uh, I think the Charlotte Observer did an article not long ago um, and it talked about how COVID-19, kind of like that, the article that you, that you shared at the beginning, it shed a light that on the Latino population, we were like the largest, um, and as a matter of fact, uh, I think there was a statistic, I wanna say that it was, I might, don't quote me, but I think I want to say that it was 40% of the deaths that for COVID-19 came from Latino population. Hmm. So I, you know, and I, it was somewhere, it was one of the largest, I can't, don't quote me on the 40, but it was the largest out of everybody, whites, blacks, Hispanics had the greatest mortality rate too. Right. Um, and again, it makes you, you know, you say why? Well, lack of healthcare um, at the beginning when the pandemic happened, nobody wanted to get tested or they couldn't get tested because you needed an ID or you needed this or whatever the barrier was, you just couldn't access it, right? Mm -hmm. um, or then, you know, a lot of the Latino population were the frontline workers and some had the virus and couldn't take off of work, right? Sure. Um, or if they took off of work, now they lost two, three weeks of work. Well, that's a paycheck, that's mm -hmm. money. Plus now you have another hospital bill coming in. Yeah. And so like now I think that just kind of put a flashlight or like a, a bright beam light on the disparity. So now the need is here. Like we need to talk about this. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm going to resolve the issue right now, but it needs like the conversations need to happen that there is a disparity there. There is, you know, we have so many different layers to this right. healthcare topic. So right. then let's start talking about uncovering one by one, right? But then let's start bringing in people to have this conversation. Let's bring in people to educate, not just my community, but vice versa. Sure. You know, 
the people that are looking at us, right? Because we, our headlines are always like Latino this, Latino that, Latino whatever. But are we having these conversations? Who's helping? Like, who, like, who can I go talk to about this? Sure. Well, and you bring up an interesting point because the Latino population, the term Latino community is really broad and incredibly encompassing, yeah. right? It's not just people from Mexico or it's people from Peru and China, uh, Chile and Argenti Argentina and um, Colombia, you know, Colombia, like, Nicaragua, yeah. people, Puerto Rico, you know, yes. like you have it's, and, you know, and, and Spain, let's not forget about Spain, Spain, it's across the pond over there, you know, but yeah. they're also part, you know, where we have this shared collective, you know, belief, you know, in Spain is a mother language, right? right. And so it's not Latino, like Latino is a heavy loaded word, right? right? We're not all alike. We have, you know, and even with culturally, right? We share Spanish is the main language, but we have dialects, we have accents. My accent is very different from someone from, you know, Peru or right. from Venezuela or from right. wherever, right? Like, and then even the way I was raised or in, and I'm not even talking about like if I was, you know, in the city or if I grew up in the mountains, right? Like there's just so many different layers to it. You know, and I tell people, it's kind of like the United States. If you grew up in New York, it's going to be way different than if you grew up in South Carolina, right? Like the, the North and the South culture. And then if, and very different if you're from California, right? Yep. And so just like that, you know, Latinos, we're not all Mexican or whatever it is you think we're from. We have, you know, a rich, there's a whole map of different countries, right? And shared collective experiences, but also very different experiences. We are raised differently, right? Yeah. Um, and but but we're all we all love our, you know, we're very fond of our culture of that of our identity of who we are, right? Um, and so I, it's just it's it's a loaded word, yeah. and I think it, it also helps that when you know if if you know somebody that's Latino, Hispanic, you know. Don't be afraid to ask where are you from sure. right now don't do it you know in a bad way but sure. you know it's okay to ask like where are you from where did you grow up you know sure. and, I, and i have a great sense that, that that shared sort of experience that you sort of talked about although it's really different from country to country or region to region i think we've talked about so many commonalities family tradition is very important caring for our own is very important. Understanding and working within our own community is really important. Um, you know, people who aren't in our community, um, who haven't belonged in our community, are often met with distrust, are often met with skepticism of, you know, uh, are you are you really here to help me, right? Or are you here to judge me for some other reason, right? I mean, I, I think we've heard little bits and pieces of that sort of filtered through our conversation today. You know, I, I'm so excited, Giselle, as we launch um, uh, Hospice of the Piedmont Hospice of Randolph, a, a partnership with you all, um, a collaboration uh, with you all at the Latino Family Center to help begin to dispel so many of these sort of myths and misconceptions, because we know that people across every community, you know, suffering is sort of this universal thing. Um, living, aging, and dying are three things that are common to every ethnic group 
whether you are in the majority or the minority and whether you are white, uh, brown or, or African-American or black, it exists across every span of that. And so when we begin to rationalize and I think approach this from a very human perspective, as opposed to we're talking about, now we're talking about uh, um, um, uh, dispelling uh, myths and misconceptions about health disparities, particularly among, among minority populations, but we are all human. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our <laughs> suffering is common. Right. This, we all get headaches. We all get hurt. We all bleed red, right? That's right. Um, last time I checked, we don't, our blood color does not change, you know, right? <laughs> depending on where you came from, right? That's we all right. have the same genetic compound, you know? And so we are human. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter yeah. your gender. Yeah. We are all human. And, and, and this is, a, you know, I think it comes to having equitable access to healthcare. You know, like I, I said it earlier that it's not about what can you give me for free or, you yeah. know, what kind of, you know, no, I, you know, and, and I tell people in our countries, you know, if you get sick, you go to the doctor, right? Or, or the doctor comes over to see you or whatever the case may be, right? It's not so taboo or so complicated right. here at the, in the United States. And I, and I, I want to share, you know, with our audience, like to me, like the American dream is very much alive. Like this is the land of opportunity. There's a reason why we're, you know, people keep coming here. It's not because, you know, of whatever the, I don't know, whatever idea people are saying, the American dream is very much alive, right? If me, um, a, a little girl that came in with her parents and we all had one luggage, and didn't know the language. And we all just kind of came in blindly and said, you know what, my parents said, we're just gonna go try it and see what happens. If we were able to break barriers and make something of ourselves, anybody can do it, right? We just have to have like that might and that power and that faith, right? That willingness to keep fighting, to move forward, right? And obviously for me as, as now in this role, like I want to inspire my youth, my immigrant population, but even my Latino that already went through all that. Right. Let's help each other out. It takes a village. Like we need to like, like I'd like this quote, like hand in hand together we can. Let's join hands, you know, yeah. all of us. Like it doesn't matter where you come, white, brown, black, it, you know, let's all work together in this common goal to educate one another, another to help to make sure that we all make it right life we only have one 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 life right we all yeah. breathe red and you know and and yes we have all these cultural norms and you know layers and, and everything but i think at the end of the day you know if we can help people understand the importance of you know let's talk about what's hurting what's happening you know have that conversation and articulate i think that's going to go a long way right yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot in our own organization, and in fact, our mission is really pretty simple. It's to connect individuals and their families to the care they need on the terms they choose. And I, I don't think you, I think you articulated that very nicely. Um, I think that's, that if that, if I can offer that as just a summation, you know, and that's sort of what we do. And I think that's really what you were describing. It's meeting people where they are and having an understanding. And that's really what we're doing today. Giselle, I want to ask you just one last thing. You know, if there are one or two things that 
you really want, we've had a wonderful conversation today. I've enjoyed this so very much. But if there's one or two things that you really want people who are watching this today, watching it later or listening to it, if you, that you really want them to know or understand, what, what might that be? One, we love very hard. <laughs> well, you know, we take care of our family, you know, but just like we take care of our family, like if somebody, and I tell people, um, the Latino community, we are going to embrace you as one of our own, right? I see it day in and day out. Don't be afraid to reach out, you know, whether they speak the language or not, or not, reach out, you know, come go talk to them, you know, extend a hand, tell them your name. Like, you know, I, I, I tell people that our community are, you know, we as a, as a collective whole, we love entirely, it doesn't matter where you're from, right? We're gonna embrace you as one of our own. If you come to our house, we may not have much, but we're gonna give you everything, right? And it, that's across the board, that's anybody, right? Um, and so don't be afraid to reach out and to say like, hey, my name is Trent, you know, like, what's your name, you know? Even if you have, you think you know Spanish and it's broken, you know what? They're not gonna judge you. They're gonna, they're probably gonna laugh at you. And then they're gonna say, I'm Giselle, you know, nice to meet you in their broken English, right? Um, and so I think to me, like if there's one thing that I, I want whoever's listening is, you know, don't be afraid to link arms, reach out, you know, share your experience, you know, don't, you know, I think it's have those conversations, whether you have the language or not, doesn't matter, you know, share, you know, I say that food brings people to the table. It doesn't matter where you're from. And, you know, when you break bread with someone, you understand culture at a whole different level. Right. Oh. Um, and so to me, like, you know, break bread together, you know, like have conversations, the understanding, you know, talk about the hard things or the easy things. Sure. They don't know the language. Hey, be like, do you want to practice English? You know, I'll 30 minutes a day. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, there's little things that you can do to build trust. Um, and in turn, then if there's ever a need, you know, they might say like, hey, something is hurting. I don't, is this normal, right? And there's your leeway like, oh, I know a doctor or I know a place that can help you, right? right. So um, those are my like, my words of wisdom. Thank you for joining us for our discussion, exploring our community, identifying health disparities. Join us next time as we welcome special guest Curtis Holloman, Executive Director of the Foundation for a Healthy High Point, for exploring our community, distilling health disparities. Together, Trent and Curtis will discuss how community-based support can help create solutions to health disparities and help facilitate upstream change. We hope you'll join us. Until then, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.